Hey there, everyone. It's Pat from Sons of Saturday. Want to give you a heads up over this next episode. Uh, Grayson is caught up with some work stuff, and Billy Ray is traveling. So over the next uh, 50 minutes or so, I'll be interviewing Matei Sis from VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. It was an awesome interview, and uh, we got a lot of great insight from Matei. So thanks so much for coming on. And want to let you know that this interview is brought to you by MyPMSI. If you have rodents, if you have some squirrels crawling around your apartment or your home, like our friend Billy, if you have any type of vermin, caterpillars, ladybugs, whatever, any pest that's bothering you, call PMSI today. If you're in Blacksburg, if you are in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Western Maryland, Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, Winchester, MyPMSI is taking care of all of your pest management services needs. So give them a call. Big shout out to PMSI. They are the official partner of the Redskins, Ravens, Capitals, Wizards, Mystics, Valor, and the Virginia Tech Hokies. But thank you so much, PMSI, for the tickets. We helped our friend Alex Jones on Twitter. He won the tickets. Uh, We did a little competition whoever could give us the best fun facts about the city of pittsburgh so here are the two fun facts that we got from mr jones university of pittsburgh's cathedral of learning is the second tallest university slash educational building in the world and this was a very fun fact i didn't know this for from 1891 to 1911 pittsburgh was officially spelled without the h and then he sent us a popcorn emoji and a picture of pat narduzzi uh, looking very frustrated on the Pittsburgh sideline, about to throw his headset. So thank you, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Alex, uh, for those fun facts. And let's roll into this episode here. Grayson and Billy and I will do another episode uh, midweek, catching up on basketball, catching up on women's basketball, softball, wrestling, lacrosse, dip into some swimming, track and field, anything to support all the hokey sports. But uh, enjoy this interview here with Matei. Good afternoon, evening, good morning, whatever time of day it is right now. Welcome to the Suns. This is Pat Finn, and I'm hosting a special interview today. Matei Sis from 24-7 Sports. Welcome to the show. How are we doing? Doing well. First uh, in-person interview, huh? Yeah. We uh, we did the Bradburn interview on-site in Blacksburg, but this is uh, this is the first time someone's you know stepped into my office here. So thanks for making the nine-minute trip to... Uh, <laughs> to my section of Arlington. This is uh it's going to be a fun fun little uh time here. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh glad to make my debut. <laughs> well, Matei, first of all, before we get into it here, um you know, we we are recording this on the heels of the John Yetzi episode, um you know, which was awesome for the Suns. Uh you know, he brought forward so many awesome points, a lot of uh topics that are worthy of, you know, discussion. Matei, you do a lot of work with communicating with recruits. You do a lot of work with communicating with uh, Virginia Tech, the football program itself. Um, you know, a lot of your background for working for twenty four seven sports is handling recruiting and uh, you know putting messages out there. Tell me, just like kind of like a quick reaction before we get into everything, a quick reaction to um, that interview last week and just some some key points you might want to reflect on. Yeah, I thought it was very transparent. And when you listen to the interview, I think a lot of the issues that Virginia Tech has faced, they were very open about. And I think a lot of fans don't get to see that, that there's not a lot of public insight into what's going on. How are we recruiting? You know, and I think that John being on there, being candid, and you can tell he wasn't sugarcoating anything that He was really honest about everything, and I think that's very important, and I think that's why we saw such a big reaction to it, because so many people's eyes were open to what's going on at Virginia Tech, how it can be better, and maybe some of the problems that Virginia Tech has faced in the past and that they're overcoming now. Completely agree. Yeah, it it was great to have John on. He did a tremendous job, and uh, you know we'll hope to have him on 
again soon. Um, so thanks for that, Matei. So let's get into it here. Um, Matei Sis. Who is Matei Sis? Everyone sees you on Twitter. You got the, the picture of you with backwards 24-7 hat. You know, they don't really know who you are. It, you can be mysterious sometimes. You know, they don't know how to pronounce your name. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I kind of like that mysterious vibe. When, when I joined 24-7 Sports, you know, we have CZY kind of, you know, in the shadows, operating in the shadows. And we have Evan, who just has like a picture of a white t-shirt with 24-7 Sports on it. So I kind of modeled my approach after that. But if you go to the message boards, my profile picture is just my face. So kind of goes against everything that I just said. But um, yeah, you know, I have a Czech father and, uh, you know, Naomi Matei, very traditional in the Czech Republic. So and uh, yeah, grew up in New York, big sports guy and uh, just wanted to be involved in sports. So, uh, you know, luckily got an opportunity at 24-7 Sports. Awesome. Where in New York? Irvington, New York, Westchester County. There you go. Okay, so we got a Jersey guy, a New York guy, uh, preaching to the airwaves for a lot of folks all over Virginia and all over the country here. Um, so how did you get your start? You know, We're classmates. Class of 2017, big shout out to the Virginia Tech Class of 2017. Uh, Matei and I were friends at school, but how did you get your start? You know, Who did you connect with? Who was kind of like your champion of getting you in the door? And uh, you know, how did it go from there? Yeah, so... I guess it all starts with the decision to go to Virginia Tech. From New York, I knew nothing about Virginia Tech. I mean, absolutely nothing. I grew up wanting to go to Wisconsin, and I thought, you know, just because of their football program, that's the school I wanted to go to, not knowing the academic, uh, you know, requirements to go there. So I applied there my senior year, and, you know, I'm kind of sheltered by all my friends. And in New York, there's not really you know, a big public school that you can look towards. There's Syracuse, but it's private. There's Rutgers, but, you know, no offense, that wasn't for me. Um, so I'm offended. <laughs> a lot of people choose to go elsewhere, and I didn't really have a good idea of where I wanted to go. I went to high school with 600 people, so going to any university was going to be, you know, a big step up. And, you know, Penn State, Delaware were serious options, but a lot of my friends went there, and... I thought, you know, I've been so sheltered my entire life. I want to try something new. And uh, my mom's friend actually recommended Virginia Tech and said they have great athletics, great academics, very friendly school, very, you know, athletic school. Everyone's always active. Just check it out. Just try it out. And we actually visited and I applied the day after the deadline. So I didn't even know if I was going to get in. Yeah. You know, just kind of snuck it in there. And, uh, you know, luckily I got accepted and you know, between Penn State with all my friends and Delaware with all my friends, I was like, I'm going to try something new. So went to Virginia Tech, didn't know anyone, not a single person. All I knew, uh, shout out to Jack Keller, uh, Facebook messaging roommate uh, freshman year. And I think that really helped me because immediately when I stepped on campus, I didn't want to just sit around and wait for people to come to me. I wanted to really explore all the opportunities and I think as soon as you step on Virginia Tech's campus you realize there's there's the spirit that you can't find anywhere else and it just attracts you to all the athletic programs and I knew right away you know I'm a big fan already and I just want to be as close as possible so I joined Virginia Tech television and I thought it would be so cool even though I'm not doing anything broadcasting wise just bringing a camera to the sidelines of Lane Stadium or Courtside and Castle Coliseum, to me, that was like, as a big fan of the programs, that was it for me, you know? And then um, it actually ties into John Yetzi. Uh, once he moved over to the Virginia Tech football program, they had an opening. And at that time, I was on the boards for two weeks, I believe. And um, I was just following recruiting religiously. I just, I was so intrigued by all the numbers, by all the different puzzle pieces and how they fit into, you know, all over the country. And, um, you know, I was I was actually sitting in class with J.C. Coleman and Chuck Clark, and we were watching the uh, Josh Sweat decision oh, go down. I know, bad memories for all the people listening, but uh, we were watching that happen, not paying attention at all to our communications class. And I just remember in that moment, I was so invested in it. And so 
I saw a flyer on VT Scoop and they said, we need someone to fill this hole because John just left. And I remember at that moment, I was like, I have to do this. And they asked for some samples. I spent five hours just writing random stuff about Virginia Tech, checking every single word, making sure all the grammar was right and submitted it. And, you know, a couple days later, Evan G. Watkins gives me the ring, uh, says, hey, we'd love to have you. And, you know, that's where my start began. Got it. So that was, was that like Josh Sweat's commitment, I think was like our sophomore year? Yeah. That time frame, I remember sitting in Art Cowan's finance class, Intro to Finance. I think with Tim Maloney and Brian Heffernan, we were just like refreshing Twitter, refreshing Twitter, just pounding the refresh button, and then comes up Florida State. We were so bummed. But um, yeah, so tw- uh, I guess that's 2014, 2015-ish, like you know, the last year and a half of the Beamer era, you'd say? Yeah. Got it. Okay. And then since then like you've come a long way you know long way. so have has your roles changed at all have you been wearing different hats like what does that look like yeah so in the beginning it was it was kind of rough i'm not gonna lie because i was coming into it as a big fan so everything i wrote was positive optimistic and it wasn't realistic that you know i put virginia tech football and basketball on a pedestal and said you know, anything is possible. And, you know, some people resonated with that and appreciated it. But I would say the vast majority were like, you know, this isn't realistic. You know, what are you doing? And I think I never experienced being a journalist, being close to the program and, you know, being able to write stories at press conferences and writing the post game reports. There's so much pressure because you're kind of shaping the narrative. So I learned early on that, you know, you have to be rational about it. You have to be objective about it because that's the only way that you're going to write the best stories. And over time, I became better and better at it. And I think that afforded me some opportunities to work more with the basketball program, work more in recruiting and telling an accurate story about these recruits and what they're actually feeling and not just saying, yeah, they like Virginia Tech. They're going to commit to Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's about telling the whole story. And I think the only way to really learn that was through time. And it took me, you know, longer than I'd like. But uh, over time, it, it, it worked out. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really cool how you got your start. And you've been able to understand that you have a responsibility to shape a narrative in you know an objective in a rational way, and be able to tell your own spin on it of how things may have went down. Now, recently, that was definitely something that had been a huge conversation point on Hokey Twitter, uh, you know, throughout social media. Because after Coach Fuente's press conference about the transfer portal. Maybe some reporters might have jumped the gun or left out some important information here and there. Talk about how important it is to, you know, approach accurate journalism and just understanding that headlines can ruffle the feathers of some. How do you make sure that you're putting out the best headlines and putting out the most accurate information, you know, without having some people freak out on you? Yeah, I mean, it is tough because in journalism, you always want to be the first. You want your headline to pop out above the rest. You want everyone flocking over to whatever site, whatever newspaper you're on. Pete Thamel. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it it can be challenging because not only do you want to be first and fast, but you want to be accurate. And over time, you realize how important that is, especially in the Justin Fuente era, because, you know, Frank Beamer, you would go to his press conferences and, you know, sometimes he would divulge some information that maybe he shouldn't have or Bud Foster would give you the entire alignment of the defense in the preseason. And, you know, that was great. And you, and you can really transcribe that. And it's a great article. But under Justin Fuente, you know, it, everything is very tight lipped. And I think that puts even more pressure on the people publishing the stories because we really do control the narrative. And so, you know, you talked about it, but you see these transfer portal stories. And if you just cut out the case by case, all of a sudden it's a different story altogether. So I think it's really about taking the time to research everything. Um, Of course, you want to be fast, but at the same time, just being comfortable with putting out the best product when you can. It doesn't have to be first. And I think I've made that mistake before in, in my career 
that I wanted something to be out there so everyone would flock to it. I would get all the likes. I would do this and that. And that was in my very early days. And I've made some mistakes doing that. Um, at the same time, if you're accurate, people will respect that a lot. And I, I think it's really important that if you want to be trusted by a lot of people, they'll come and read your articles. It doesn't matter when the timestamp is, uh, just as long as you're telling the full picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to kind of uh, build your own brand and you know build some relationships with your, your readers because that definitely is a thing. Um, okay. Now, we'd love to talk about um, you know what what everyone wants to know the scoops on you know, the scoops on recruiting. Uh, so we have the 2020 class who signed uh, either in December or earlier this month. We have the 2021 class who is you know, everyone's talking. It's going to be a program changer. You know, it has to be a program changer. Talk to us about 2020 uh, because statistically speaking, you know, if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, one of the worst classes in Power Five. But, you know, you check out some of these guys' film and you say, we got, we got a really good guy here, you know. Um, it, it, it seems like there's a lot of talent coming out of this class. And I think we're also going to be able to redshirt a lot of these guys, too, and give them some time to develop. Um, so just tell us, you know, your favorite guys out of the 2020 class that you've probably built a relationship with, that you've been able to review their film, and that you're really excited for. Yeah, I mean... First of all, just want to preface it by saying it wasn't the best class. And we're all aware of that, you know, mid-70s, I believe, last in the ACC. And, of course, there was numerous factors, Bud Foster's impending retirement. And then, again, you look at the roster and it's like, where is this attrition coming from? You know, mm -hmm. there's barely any seniors. Uh, you can't really project all these guys leaving. So the class size was small as is. So there's 15 guys that fill out this recruiting class. And if you look elsewhere around the ACC, a lot of these other programs that are ranked highly, you know, they have upwards of 20, 25 kids. So there's a lot of factors at play. Um, but looking at the class itself, I think it, it, it won't be remembered because of the kids that Virginia Tech got. I think it will be remembered for the kids that Virginia Tech didn't get. And I think that's why people are so upset. You look at Antoine Powell going to Florida. He was a guy that was a heavy Virginia Tech lean. Uh, Keandre Lambert, you know, uh, related to Cam Chancellor and doesn't pick Virginia Tech, goes to Penn State. So it's a lot of those types of players that would have helped out Virginia Tech. Um, but when you look at the actual players that, that signed their letters of intent, I'm actually very excited for a lot of them. I think you know, a majority of them could be very, very good uh, playmakers for Virginia Tech. Uh, the problem is because some of them are developmental, you don't know how many of them will pan out. But you look at guys, Dalen Wright, I mean, wide receiver mm -hmm. that pretty much oh, yeah. played basketball his entire career and didn't come to a lot of camps, didn't get a lot of national exposure because he's playing basketball. His senior year, he had 25 touchdown receptions, wins the state title. I mean, he looks like an absolute stud, and he's only a mid-three-star, mm -hmm. right? Um, a guy like Lakeem Rudolph. Yep. I am so high on this guy. I think he will be such a stud for Virginia Tech. I think, you know, he's 6'4", 200 pounds, very rangy, very lanky. Uh, it's going to take time to put pounds on his frame. Uh you know, luckily Virginia Tech has Ben Helgert, so he'll be eating good. Oh, yeah. He'll be lifting, but he's a guy that kind of does remind me of Cam Chancellor. Like he can turn into that type of player, maybe mm -hmm. not college form, but, you know, a guy that could be a hard hitter, strong safety, free safety. I mean, honestly, a guy that just has so much versatility in the back end. Um, and then, of course, you want to talk about your Texas 2 VT, right? Oh, you know, yeah. So, I mean, those defensive ends, you got Robert Wooten, you got Alec Bryant. I mean, guys that honestly, you know, just staying on them, keeping a relationship with them, keeping the door open for them to join and just constantly saying, you know, you can change things here. I think they can be game changers on the defensive line. Um, and then, you know, there's other players, Tyree Saunders. He kind of brings that that swagger to Virginia Tech, you know. Showtime. <laughs> yeah, Showtime Saunders, but... Uh, he's a guy that I think reminds me a bit of Ezekiah Grimsley, maybe more athletic in a sense, 
um, and can do a lot of different things. I think he could be on return units. He could be a slot guy if that's where they decide they want to put him. Or he could play outside. So as much as, you know, there's a lot of developmental guys and maybe guys you want to put red shirts on, I think, you know, in the case of Dallin Wright, he could be a guy that steps in day one and all of a sudden everyone's like, wow. Because, mm-hmm. you know, really he exploded from one year. So it'll be interesting to see the jump from a lot of these guys in the offseason, see what they're able to do. But I think there is quality in this uh, Virginia Tech 2020 class. Mm-hmm. Love to hear that. Uh, I'm really excited for Lakeem Rudolph as well. He's going to be an absolute beast. Um, and then talk to us about the transfers coming in, Khalil Herbert and uh, Raheem Blackshear. Obviously, Blackshear might need a, uh, a waiver, or he's going to need a waiver. Um, talk about those guys and you know how you see them impacting this team. Yeah, I mean, Khalil Herbert, you can look at, all you need to look at is two games, right? Mm-hmm. The West Virginia, West Virginia and Boston College yeah. game. Um, I mean, he nearly had 300 yards of offense himself against West Virginia. He's a guy that I think... You know, if you put him in the circumstance where he's playing with a much better offensive line, where he's playing with a capable quarterback of taking pressure off of him, so he's not the guy that you're keying on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Blackshear's kind of the same way. Both these guys are the guys for their teams. So everyone's looking how to stop them, and they're mm-hmm. still producing. Now you put them on a team with all these different options. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. And, uh, I think Herbert is a guy that can step in right away. Maybe he's the number one guy. Maybe King is um, and and can take a lot of those carries. And, you know, when you look at his highlights, it's not just he has a wide open hole and he's just fast and he's running straight down the line to the end zone. Mm-hmm. It's Sometimes the hole isn't there and he's finding it himself. He's making something of the situation. Uh, and, and he's a guy that I think, you know, especially Herbert, is a guy that brings something that I haven't seen in quite a long time out of the Virginia Tech running back room. Now, Blackshear, I am very intrigued by him because, yes, he played for Rutgers, but again, he did everything. He wasn't just a running back. Mm -hmm. He was the Swiss Army knife of sorts. And I think, you know, Virginia Tech has needed a player that's so versatile that can do so many different things to really let this offense go. And I think Brad Cornelson needed a playmaker like that and I think you can line them up in the slot. You can put them on jet sweeps. Yeah. You, can, you can line them up in the backfield, put them in the screen game. There's so many different things he can do. And I think that versatility is such a tool. And when you add in other guys, Trey Turner, James Mitchell, uh, Keyshawn King, you know, mm. there's Eric Gallo. There's so many options on Virginia Tech's offense that I think you can't just hone in on one guy. And I think that's what makes Virginia Tech so dangerous moving forward. Mm-hmm. Now, so before we talk about the 2021 class and some top targets there, um, you know, we're talking about the running back room um, with some awesome additions. Ricky Slade is transferring from Penn State. Uh, He's a five-star, former five-star recruit, and, you know, that Penn State running back room is among the most talented in America. Uh, You know, Ricky Slade is a Virginia guy, and he kind of stiffed us, um, you know, in his recruitment cycle. Where do you think he's going to end up? That's a great question. Um, I've been following him for a while, ever since he went to, I mean, even his recruitment, uh, talked to him a bunch, thought he was going to end up at Virginia Tech. But whenever Penn State enters the mix with these guys, Devin Ford uh, and Ricky Slade, it's just they seem to find a way to get him to come to Happy Valley. So, um, But I am interested and where he goes, I think it will be somewhere in Virginia. I think maybe UVA. So maybe the hatred continues for Ricky Slade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'll make that uh, that game in November that much sweeter when we uh, we get the cup back. But uh, all right, let's talk about twenty twenty one. So names that come to mind right away are Landon Watson and Naquan Brown, um, and then Jack Hollifield and Jalen Stroman, both. Uh, with the legacy, but uh, just run through some 2021 guys. Um, you know, we can talk about Demetrius. Everyone knows Demetrius Davis is going to be the real deal. Um, and then uh, a couple other guys that are kind of, you know, popping out to you and could make an impact if we uh, reel them in. Yeah. So I think for the first time in a long time, I agree with the sentiment that Virginia is important again. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's, it's not important in the past. But the talent pool in Virginia for this 2021 class is truly spectacular. 
um, headlined by Tony Grimes. Uh, Tristan Lee is a guy that I'm really, really high on. Uh, offensive tackle, uh, a guy that really values Virginia Tech. Uh, and then you talk about Naquan Brown, an absolute stud on the defensive line. Ocean Lakes guy, 757. Daryl Taps in the mix now. So not only is he a guy that you know, headlines the class potentially because of his star ranking. And, you know, it's eye candy. You want to see all those stars. But he's a guy that just has legitimate interest in Virginia Tech, understands the importance of in-state recruiting and and being able to call a place home that's actually home. So he's a guy I look at as a must for Virginia Tech. Uh, Demetrius Davis will do anything in his power to bring the Texas boys with him. Uh, we'll see if that ends up, if Landon Watson, again, another guy that could be a game changer on the defensive line. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so m- there's a lot of talent in this class. And I think Virginia Tech has so many options and you look at last year and I just mentioned that, you know, there was few spots like four scholarship seniors and Tyrell Smith is coming back. So really three, uh, you know, next year, I believe there's 14, and then you have to add in, you know, maybe 10 attrition. It's going to be a big class. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of guys that they can key in on. Uh, they don't necessarily have to wait it out and, and see for a lot of these guys. I think there's legitimate talent they've seen firsthand come to camps on campus. They're ready to go in on those guys. If they pull the trigger, you know, it's a done deal. So um, I, I'm excited for this 2021 class for sure. Now, just give us kind of a, a quick rundown on Jack Hollifield and Jalen uh, Jalen Stroman, just because you know if if there's anyone that we should have, you know, kind of as a shoe in, it should be those two. I mean, Dax Hollifield and Greg Stroman were complete fan favorites. I know Greg and uh, Coach Fuente had a really good relationship as well. So just kind of uh, you know give some thoughts on those two. Yeah, it's funny because Jack Hollifield and Jalen Stroman are both technically the younger brothers but they almost look like older brothers on the field because they're just bigger versions of Dax and Greg. So uh, Jack Hollyfield in particular, right now he's really feeling Virginia Tech. He recently visited, named them his leaders. He's a guy that I think is so key for this class. Not only, again, is he eye candy, four-star material, but he's a guy, if you watch his film, he plays middle linebacker and tight end. I think there's so many options for him at the next level one underrated aspect of the virginia tech offense is the role of the h-back and i think jack hollyfield if he were to choose virginia tech would kind of play on the offensive side of the ball maybe they decide he can be a two-way player because he honestly could but he's a guy that just i mean he's so smooth he's so instinctual and he really does remind me of dax hollyfield just bigger and maybe a bit more athletic so that's always a good thing to have. And then Jalen Stroman. I don't know what's in the Stroman blood, but they are just athletes. I mean, it's not that they're just these fast guys. It's the way they move is unconventional. They're not, you know, humans shouldn't be able to take the angles that they're taking in the open field. So when I look at a guy like Jalen Stroman, you know, he's 6'1", 6'2", maybe. So, you know, one to two inches taller than Greg. He's a guy that I think would slot at cornerback, could play free safety. Um, But again, just an explosive athlete. And I mean, you saw what Greg Stroman could do on punt returns. And I think I think Jalen Stroman can be that type of player. I think like Greg, it might take time. It, It may take him until he's a junior or senior. But I think he could be a really, really good player as well. So both these guys, the younger brothers, but, you know, big time athletes, big time forces, and honestly, two positions of critical need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Greg Stroman, man, like that guy was so fun to watch. It's It was so fun to see him develop too. You know, he came in as a freshman, this tiny guy, and then, you know, he just became so effective on punt returns and such a lockdown corner. I mean, if you think of that Pittsburgh game on his senior day, uh, locking, jamming that guy at the line and locking him down uh, on the goal line, like, that was something I'll never forget. I absolutely love Greg Stroman. So to kind of uh, you know wrap this up for the 2021 class, what do you think are legitimate expectations? Like what range of a class ranking? Uh, you know, a top 20 class, top 25 class. You know, definitely top 30. What? what where is the ceiling and where is the uh, the floor? So unlike last 
recruiting cycle. There's no coaches that are up in the air. There's ample space. Uh, so I think, you know, those two factors are definitely important if you want to get a top 25 class. And I think Virginia Tech, 100%, should be a top 30 class. I think top 25 is the goal, but top 20 is definitely achievable. I think with the type of talent you're talking about, you know, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks that's already headlining your class. He's a guy that honestly could bump up in the rankings too. Uh, And then you're talking about potentially two four-star defensive ends. Jack Hollyfield, a four-star guy that could be a tight end, inside linebacker. Uh, Tristan Lee, potentially, a guy that's a four-star, maybe bumps up into a five-star. I mean, already there, that's all the star power. And then, you know, you're filling out maybe the rest of the class with some other guys. Um, But there's just so much potential for this class. I think if everything goes to plan, top 20, no doubt. Um, If there's, you know, little bumps and bruises here, I think top 25 is definitely the realistic goal here. Um, But I do not see this class falling outside the top 30. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love that as far as momentum goes. I feel like we're, we're starting to pick up some positive momentum. I really do. Um, So, Last couple minutes here, Matei, I want to ask you a couple questions that are, you know, more so like kind of like day-to-day uh, experiences that you've had. Um, so first of all, and I didn't have this on our list, so I'm throwing a curveball here. Um, talk about some of your favorite, um, you know, favorite relationships or favorite rides that you've had with recruits, like um, any specific ones that you loved uh, learning about or telling their stories or, you know, maybe you got to meet them, uh, here and there. Yeah. I would say first, first recruitment that comes to mind is probably Quincy Patterson, just an absolutely spectacular guy. I mean, honestly, just an amazing human being, a guy that is from Illinois, maybe didn't know too much about Virginia tech and just had so much passion for, just Virginia Tech after visiting a few times and really making a connection with not only the athletic staff, the football staff, but the academic side as well. Just a brilliant mind, Uh, a guy that, you know, could have gone out there and said, hey, Oregon just hit me up and they gave me an offer. Penn State just gave me an offer. Ohio State really wants me. And he never said any of that. He kept it all under wraps and and you know, he really, once he made that commitment, he stuck to it and just has such a great story. Um, so he's the first one that sticks out. Dax Hollyfield is another one for different reasons. Uh, just complete roller coaster. Uh, in the beginning, very interested in Virginia Tech and quietly visited over 25 times, believe it or not. That's a, that's a lot of visits. Um, and, you know, Stanford came in the mix. Clemson with KJ Henry was eyeing him till the very uh, yeah. last second. UNC really, really wanted him. Um, and I know his dad had a relationship with, uh, I believe it was Gunter Brewer, okay. uh, who was on the staff at the time. So, I mean, that one was all over the place. That was one of the recruitments that I had no idea where it was going. One day it was Stanford. The next day, no, Stanford's too far. I want to go to Clemson. Uh, and then it was UNC, and then it was Virginia Tech. So uh, that was a good one. And then I guess last one would be Doug Nestor, um, just because it showed that Virginia Tech stayed on him the entire time he was committed to Ohio State. And he really respected Vance Vice. He really respected Justin Fuente and the entire staff for just always checking in on him. Even though he had nothing to do with Virginia Tech at the time, he was completely uh, committed to Ohio State. Uh, He just really appreciated the relationships. And, uh, you know, Urban Meyer steps down, opens up a little bit of a window And, you know, since Virginia Tech was there from the start, just watching him, you know, reciprocate that appreciation and and decide to come to Virginia Tech, even though Penn State was lurking and uh, Penn State thought they had him. But, you know, that was one of the recruitments that, you know, you hear it's a done deal and you know that there's a week before the public is going to find out. I mean, that just brings me so much enjoyment, just knowing, hey, this is going to make a lot of people happy. I can't wait to see the reaction and. And just seeing everyone, you know, just so excited to see it happen was was truly spectacular. So I, I guess those three recruitments mm-hmm. are, are the ones that stick out in my mind for now. 
Yeah, actually, I think the Hokies FB Twitter account just put out a, a video on Mrs. Nestor yesterday. So go check that out if you haven't yet. Um, and then talk about you know your favorite current players to cover. Uh, anyone that pops out uh, immediately? Do you have any guesses? <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Bradburn and Matei are, you know, they love each other. They're big fans of each other. <laughs> big fans, big fans. Shout out Oscar. Um, yeah, Oscar's one of them for sure. I think I like to know who the player is as a person. And, you know, I mentioned Quincy, just great A guy. Uh, Dax Hollyfield, absolute goofball and always fired up and uh, really cares for a lot of people. So I really like to get to know the human sides of a lot of these players because not only is it fun to see them have success on the field, but have success as human beings. Caleb Farley's a guy that, I mean, if anyone experienced that much adversity, you would think they would just fold. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy that comes out, you know, barely plays the position, um, has so many personal life issues and, you know, tears his ACL. And here we are looking back on him this past year and, you know, he's an, a third-team All-American and a guy that was All-ACC first team. So a guy that can excel on the football field but is a legitimate human being, a legitimate person. Those are honestly the best stories to cover. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then um, kind of want to hear about, you know, Matei on Twitter. Who are your favorite Hokey tweeters? You know, Hokey Twitter is quite a thing. Are there any uh, folks that stick out to you right away that you think they have funny content or, uh, you know, <laughs> you just think they're it, it, a staple of Hokey Twitter? Yeah. So who's that guy that always puts out the memes? It's like always videos of <laughs> Diablo fan. Account. Yeah. Diablo fan account. He's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's a lot of people I see every day. Uh, Beefish, John LaRock. Uh, honestly, there's so many. Um, it's grown. The community has really grown over what, the last. What I really years. like about Virginia Tech Twitter, you know, sometimes I may not be following these people, mm-hmm. but it will find a way on my timeline. <laughs> and whenever I see that, whenever other people are liking it, I thoroughly enjoy it. All I gotta say, Hokey Twitter, keep it up because it's uh, you know in the off season you need some you need some laughs, you need some enjoyment, and certainly have been seeing a fair share from you know the positive side and the negative side. I enjoy it all, so uh. keep it up. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, um, talk about kind of like your experience. I know you kind of touched it on a little bit, um, you know, when you covered Coach Beamer's teams versus Coach Fuente's teams. You know, obviously you hear some things from Coach Beamer or, or Coach Foster directly, whereas um, Coach Fuente more tight-lipped. But what, what are, uh, you know, some similarities and differences from covering both, uh, both times? I would say, you know... Uh, maybe there's a lot of differences in the press conference and you know that Frank Beamer he I think he enjoyed the media I would say he enjoyed the media I think Justin Fuente doesn't want to give up anything he doesn't want to make a mistake um or you know he doesn't have to you know it's just an obligation that he's fulfilling um whether I agree with that or not doesn't really matter but you know just seeing them you know immediately as the press conference uh ends just seeing the way that they interacted with their players, I think, is very similar. You can tell that they're both very passionate about their jobs, about the kids that they have on the roster. And it's funny because Frank Beamer is just, you know, a- anytime he sees someone, he'll take the time out of his day to talk to them. Justin Fuente is the same way. You know, he's in no rush. You know, these are his guys. And right after the, the press conferences, you know, he's talking to the, whatever player's about to come up and, and just saying good things about them. So I think they're very similar in that they really do care about a lot of these guys. And um, they're they're fun people outside outside of that media opportunity. They are actually fun people. So, yeah, very similar in that sense. Very cool. And then um, what about, you know, on your side? You know, every, everyone knows the, uh, the folks who cover Virginia Tech as beat writers, whether it's Andy Bitter, you know, Mark Berman, uh, David, David Teal, who's celebrating his retirement. Uh, you got Mike Barber, Aaron McFarling, Norm Wood, D. Cunna, David Cunningham, shout out. Um, and I know there's a, a ton of other writers out there as well who do a great job. What kind of, uh, do you have any, like, any funny stories or interactions with any other writers? Or do you have any favorites that, you know, you like to shoot it with? 
I really like Andy Bitter. I think he's he's great for covering Virginia Tech. He always does a good job of keeping everything, you know, in the middle, never to one side. I think he does a really good job of accurately displaying what Virginia Tech is. And I think it's important that maybe as an outside perspective, you know, he didn't go to Virginia Tech and, and is able to write about these stories just completely neutral. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he went to Wisconsin. You, he, almost, I, you almost had the same alma mater. I'm a little jealous of that, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Andy's a great guy. Uh, Norm's a great guy as well. Um, I mostly interact with him, you know, at basketball games or when I did cover basketball games. Um, David Cunningham, never met the kid. I hope to one day. He's honestly a bright future. He's he's tremendous, but, you know, a lot of these guys... um, Evan Hughes, too. I don't know if you know Evan Hughes. I do not know Evan Hughes. He's got a great future ahead of him. Good looks, good looks. And... um, yeah, I will say, and t- shout out Tech Sideline as well, Chris Coleman, mm-hmm. great guy. Absolutely. Great guy. Um, even when I first entered the scene, you know, he was kind of a guy that, um, you know, he knew Evan, he knew CZY, and, and uh, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say took me under his wing, but mm-hmm. made sure that I was comfortable, because as you can imagine, you know, stepping uh, to a press conference and being there as a sophomore in college is pretty intimidating, so... big shout out to uh chris coleman as well awesome yeah cannot forget the guys at tsl they've been around for so long and they do such a great job um as well that's where evan hughes is evan hughes uh supports tsl so um last couple questions here for you matey and then we'll jump into letters from the lunch pail um within your sports career you know who's been some of the largest influences for you ever since you entered the scene, whether they're a national writer, whether they're a local writer, or whether they are just completely, you know, they're just a writer that has nothing to do with what you follow, but um, you just like their style. Yeah, I would say I really, really enjoy Phil Steele. Mm-hmm. All his content. Um, he's kind of a guy that covers nationally. I think, you know, I, I gain a lot of inspiration from whether it's ESPN articles, different 24-7 sports sites, even the guys in our own community. Like, we, we were just talking about, like, all the, the beat writers in the community. I think everyone does, like, a really good job. And, um, yeah, it's just always interesting because we're all writing about the same thing, but we may have different opinions on it. We may have different takes. So maybe not necessarily, you know, one person I look towards for inspiration, but... Um, just looking at other people, their styles, the way they communicate with their readers and, you know, just seeing how you can have the same story, but tell it in so many different ways. I think that's super interesting to me. And, and just, you know, with 24 seven sports, the beautiful thing about it is there's a, there's a college site for any team. So just seeing what's going on everywhere else, seeing what they're dealing with, if they're dealing with any yep. uh, transfer portal attrition, uh, looking at the Stanford site there and, um, you know, just seeing how they deal with things. I think that that helps me try to evolve uh, my content. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people to learn from and it's cool to get different ob- objectives and different viewpoints as well. All right, let's jump into the letters for the lunch pill. We got, uh, looks like we've got three or four questions here. So, from number one, Grant Watson. Now that Virginia Tech has secured a very nice staff, and it looks like there's no uncertainty about future coaching positions, kind of talked about this, how good can we expect future recruiting classes to be? So, you know, 2021 and beyond. You said top 30 definitely for 2021, but, like, can is it crazy to say Virginia Tech could have a top 15 class one day? I think it is a little crazy just because you think about USC, Oregon, I mean, UCLA, uh, programs on the West Coast, maybe, you know, the Texases. I guess it's different now with Texas to VT, but um, there's a lot of recruiting regions that Virginia Tech doesn't really explore or maybe recruit other schools that Virginia Tech doesn't really recruit against. And it is interesting when you look at the top 15 and all those schools are mainstays. So mm-hmm. it's on lockdown pretty much. I think there is a possibility for top 20. I think that would be the pipe dream for Virginia Tech, at yep. least for right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think not only do you have to prove success in recruiting, but you have to prove results on the field. And I think if 2020 and 2021 are supposed to be so special, I think that's when you can carry that momentum over into recruiting and then maybe push for a top 15 class. Um, but 
I don't think, you know, a top 15 class, a top 20 class is the end all be all. When you look at a school like Virginia Tech, I think it's important to have, you know, five to eight four stars maybe. Um, And then, you know, really just identifying guys that maybe fill needs or identify with the culture of the program. I think there's a really defined scope for the Justin Fuente recruit. You can't just be a good player. You can't just be good in the classroom. You have to be a good person. You have to identify with the culture. We saw all the issues two years ago, Mm -hmm. right? So I, I think there's, you know, they're really looking for someone special and you never know what can happen with some of these guys. I mean, Jaden Payout is one of the guys that I point to that's like a staple Virginia Tech recruit. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that nobody knew about until June of his right before yep. his senior year. I mean, nobody knew about him. All they knew is this guy was a track star, ran like a four two nine or something, like something ridiculous or a four three. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they evaluators are looking at a senior year. He bumps up to a four star. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of instances where Virginia Tech is finding guys like that with that potential, but maybe they're not blowing up by evaluators and getting that four-star recognition. So if if you want to have a top 15 class with a bunch of four-stars, obviously that's the pipe dream, right? But at the same time, I think Virginia Tech does really well when they're able to identify what they need despite the star ranking and then develop them themselves. I think that's when Virginia Tech is at their best, and that could be a top 30, and I don't think that's a problem. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I guess long answer short is they don't necessarily have to be star chasing. Uh, As long as they're able to identify the right guys, then they'll be fine in the long run. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. More more so about uh, seeing who you got developing talent, hard hat mentality. Absolutely. So Karsten and John LaRocque both want to hear about the Crocs. Because uh, if, if you've been following Matea for a while, he's a big croc guy. Uh, tell us, uh, Carson says, when you would be on the field or in the press box, how often did people ask you about your crocs? And then John says, John LaRock says, crocs with socks, winter move only, question mark, as you're, you know, he's wearing air, all birds right now. So uh, <laughs> nothing like a little croc talk right now. Um, just a little context. Uh, the reason that I publicize Crocs so much is you know I started this whole thing being a passionate fan and uh, I didn't ever want to be too serious about it and you know over time became very objective became very neutral uh, very rational about everything but I think the reason why I wear Crocs from the very beginning is just to remind myself you know this is for fun this is my passion and this is something that I just want to keep in balance and just remind myself, you know, it's not the end of the world if, if something goes bad that, you know, I'm, I'm here for a reason and, and this is why. So I use those as my, you know, inspiration. Uh, maybe not the best tool, but yeah, I mean, people do ask me about my Crocs quite a bit. Uh, I was at the uh, Belk Bowl and Bill Polian actually was walking by. I don't know why he was there, mm-hmm. um, but he actually looked down. He was like, nice. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, people do ask about it a lot. And honestly, it's, it's nice. It's an attention grabber. So, uh, I don't hate it. It's a great conversational starter and Crocs with socks, definitely in the winter, winter move only. (laughs) I remember, um, you can't take yourself too seriously. You know, you got to have fun with it. Exactly. I remember right after the 2016 ACC championship, uh, right after Gerard Evans threw the interception, you know, midfield celebration and myself and a couple of my friends were hanging out um in in the end zone and Matej walks over in his crocs and we just kind of embrace over the railing we're just like man we were so close <laughs> so close and that team won the national championship you know Deshaun Watson and you know what a great team and I mean that's how close Virginia Tech was to getting over that hump really so um and definitely I think that moving forward 2020 2021 when you look at all the pieces on the team, it's very similar, very similar. So we'll see what happens in the future. Absolutely. And then a question here from Stupid Sexy Flanders. When nice. you <laughs> when UGA is spending $3.7 million above board on recruiting a year and probably a million plus off the books, uh, how can Virginia Tech compete? Yeah, so Pat and I were talking about this a bit before we press record, but, you know, 
it depends on the guy and that's why i kind of stress that virginia tech is looking for a very specific type of prospect um there's guys that are obviously super talented but anytime they're getting these big time offers you know they want to jump to it to impress their friends to impress their community to show that they've made it even though it may not be the right fit it may not be you know where they're supposed to be um but where virginia tech excels and i kind of talked about it with doug nestor is building relationships with guys and and never easing up and um being able to stay on guys build that relationship have the trust be mutual and then they can land you know doug nestor was a top 100 guy uh you know devin hunter was a guy that got attention from everywhere and Virginia Tech built that relationship a very long time ago. So I think if they're identifying these guys and keep in mind when they're when they're looking at these classes, you know, it's years in advance. So they're not four stars at that point. They're they're looking at them and it might be a blank profile with only a huddle link. But that's the type of guys they're looking for. And if they see something in them, um, you know, they build a relationship eventually they may become a four star and then all of a sudden you're in good standing and and you can get them kind of like naquan brown right so um i think virginia tech has to rely on relationships they don't have the resources that other sec schools have um but they do have a lot to offer and i think if they're in early enough they can definitely make an impact um you know even jacoby pinkney i know he's on his way out but he was a guy that had a legitimate scholarship offer from Michigan, Georgia, but it was the relationship that won out with mm-hmm. Virginia Tech. So it's going to be that case every single time. Uh, sometimes you just have kids that want to go to the big programs, impress people. But other times, if you're on them first, uh, there's a good chance that Virginia Tech can be you know, in the conversation when those hats are on the table. Matei, this has been a ton of fun, man. Uh, really, you know, happy that you came out and uh, we got to do this today. Uh, before you go, any last minute shout outs? Any things you want to talk about real quick before uh, before we hit stop on this thing? Shout out to all the guys at VT Scoop, CZY, Evan G. Watkins, Doug, Chris, Scooter, uh, all the boys over there. Tremendous content. And honestly, it's been such a pleasure and such an opportunity to work with these guys and continue to work with them. And, uh, you know, I'm so passionate about being able to tell the story of Virginia Tech. And uh, it's honestly just been a phenomenal experience and I never want it to end. So a uh, big shout out to them. And uh, yeah, shout out to the Arlington Wolves, our, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> our rec basketball league um, heading into the playoffs pretty soon. So uh, going to have to lace up our shoes a little bit tighter and uh, get to work go one and oh that's right awesome Matei. well thanks so much for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here soon and uh, let's go Hokies yeah absolutely thanks for having me